So over the weekend, the United Nations warning that Afghanistan is on the brink of becoming the world's worst humanitarian crisis. The Taliban, as you know, who are desperate for foreign aid, are trying to show a friendlier face to the world and persuade the international community that it's changed its ways. But have they? Jeff Simple has just returned from eight days in Afghanistan, and he joins us now to tell us what he saw there. Jeff, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning, Shay. Great to be with you. So when we take a look at uh, what was the experience like in, in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan now, how did it go? Yeah, it was quite an experience. Uh, and, you know, after 20 years of war, it seems the Taliban is now launching a new charm offensive, if you like. Uh, we received an invitation letter from the t- new Taliban Ministry of Foreign Affairs upon our arrival in Kabul that essentially allowed us to myself and Stuart Bell to to travel around this capital city, to take pictures, to you know conduct interviews. We monitored a Taliban patrol, went into one of their courthouses, interviewed several Taliban officials. On a number of occasions, the, the Taliban would search us and our bags before we entered the building, for example, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you might not expect, they were extremely apologetic about it. They would apologize profusely, say they were just doing their jobs, wanted to make sure we were safe. Um, and it all seemed to be sort of part of this larger strategy from the Taliban to present this friendlier face to the outside world, to the international community, to countries like Canada, at a time when it is desperate for international recognition and, as you noted, desperate for foreign aid. So I think a lot of people have the perception that it's all talk, it's all a show, but really when you get down to it, 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 it's not being backed up by action. But you're saying, you know, it was different this time around. Well, for us it was, and I think yeah. that's the distinction, is that they have, they're going to, you know, what I would think for them are, are pretty remarkable lengths to put on a friendlier face for us. Uh, but it is, you know, ordinary Afghans, when you talk to them on the streets, particularly talk to them, off camera where you start to see the difference um you know certainly people are desperate and the economic situation there undeniably is desperate i mean you you mentioned the un warning there off the top i mm-hmm. mean you know afghanistan on pace to become worse than yemen worse than syria we saw people selling you know basic belongings uh, like everything they own to try and pay for food and firewood in one case there was a family that was literally offering to sell one of its own children to feed the other children. So it is unbelievably desperate there. But this is the picture that Afghan that the Taliban wants to show the world to, to convince it to open its purse strings. Um, and you know, we talk to ordinary Afghans. They, you know, they they sort of you, they, you know, there are lots of stories of the Taliban. You know, used to conduct executions out in the open in public soccer stadiums. These days, we're hearing that they're operating more in the shadows. That they are, even in their own words, more politically skilled than they used to be, say, 25 years ago. So we're hearing stories of kidnappings, of people disappearing, of torture and executions happening inside homes or in outlying areas far from the capital and far from the eyes of the international media. Uh, Did you have a chance to speak with Taliban officials themselves? What did you learn from them? Yeah, a lot of interesting conversations, um, including one, I have to say, that was completely surreal. I was talking to a very senior Taliban official and advisor to the prime minister who told us off camera uh, afterwards that he asked, he literally asked me if if I thought and how I thought he could apply to become a refugee in Canada. Apparently he has some family members in Toronto and was actually interested 
Uh, I thought he was kidding at first, but he seemed quite serious uh, in, in moving to Canada as a refugee. So perhaps a sign there that even some Taliban leadership are looking to get out of the country, given how desperate the situation there is. Uh, but when I asked Taliban officials over and over again, you know, whether they had changed their ways from what we saw from their first rule 25 years ago, uh, you know, they all sort of told me different versions of the same thing, that they're, you know, that Sharia law has not changed, will never change, and so they haven't changed, but that they are more politically skilled and more politically savvy, and that they are much more intent in achieving these better relations with Canada and its allies. Um, the concern, again, though, as I noted, is from a lot of ordinary Afghans, is that, you know, if the international community gives in, um, and starts to, you know, give some concessions to the Taliban and recognize the regime, that then we will see the Taliban rear its its true face, not in the shadows, but, but out in the open, and that it will seek revenge against those who stood against it, including the many Canadian, former Canadian interpreters and those who worked for the Canadian military, hundreds of whom remain trapped inside the country. Yeah, and it's such a volatile situation, but obviously a desperate one at the same time, Jeff. Yeah, it is. And it's, I mean, I, you know, you can't deny how desperate it is. And it's a tough decision facing, you know, the Afghan uh, or facing international, international yeah. community because, yeah, the charities tell you that it's, you know, this, this, this international sort of um, standoff between, the inter- between Western countries like Canada and the Taliban, you know, is for good reason, but that it is ultimately the Afghan people who are being punished by it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. Really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for highlighting it, Jay. Really appreciate it. Take yeah, care. you bet. That is Jeff Semple, who is a reporter with Global National and has spent some time in Afghanistan. And uh, there's a number of stories that Global News is now running about their experience and about their time in Afghanistan. And of course, I think we all understand that the Taliban recognizes that the way things have gone in that country, now suddenly they have the job of running Afghanistan and caring for the people of Afghanistan. And it is an absolute disaster right now. Um, more than half the population has run short of food. Um, and they're saying that with winter coming, it's only going to get worse. Now, there are international um, organizations and countries that have pledged to offer support and do have money ready to go. The question, though, is how do you do that? How do you support the people of Afghanistan and make sure that they get the aid without in some way supporting the Taliban, which is recognized as a terrorist group in many, many countries. It's a tough one. It's definitely not a simple process because I think we all recognize that supporting the people of Afghanistan uh, is something that we're all on board with, but at the same time, the trust that people have in the Taliban is understandably and rightfully very, very low. Just taking a look at the texts, as we're having this discussion, uh, Richard from Calling Lake says, yeah, we're going to give billions to a radical military group so they can fund themselves to fight democracy. George says, right, friendly face after how many decades of planning to overtake the government? I won't tell you what I'm really thinking. Another listener says, what is the chance that any of that aid money makes it past the Taliban? Zero? I think that's what the international community is trying to figure out trying to come up with a way that they can, in some fashion, support the people of Afghanistan and, you know, the internationals who are still there and trying to get out and waiting for, you know, transit out of Afghanistan to the countries where they will ultimately become refugees. How do you support them and how do you support the people on the ground who are facing, um, you know, 
starvation and freezing to death as the winter arrives, how do you support them at the same time not support the Taliban? That is the issue that I think a lot of people are having. The simple solution would be to have the Taliban invite international groups into the country to run these programs. Don't have a lot of hope that that's going to happen. So we'll continue to monitor that story. And if there are any developments, we will bring them to you and get an update.